here today just out in front of us. I know we'll surely come. That eastern sky will open wide, revealing God's dear Son. And I know from here to heaven is but the twinkling of an eye. In the midst of all this glory, we'll hear the sweetest cry.
I'm glad for heaven this afternoon. Glad it's a real place where God's people dwell and will dwell for all eternity. Amen. Thank God for that. And praise the Lord. It's been a good weekend. And of course, we got to start with you on Wednesday night. We got a, we cheated a little bit, Brother Norman. We got here on Wednesday night. So we've had one extra night just to enjoy ourselves and our time here. And uh, go, ahead and, go ahead and be turning in your Bible this afternoon to the book of John in chapter number 6. The Gospel of John in chapter number 6. Thank you, church, for what you did for my son. I greatly appreciate that. And... Uh, that's a great blessing. I almost feel guilty because I come here for this missions conference and I'm, I'm preaching about giving and sacrificing and trying to challenge you to do that. And I'm not doing it for you to do it for me. <laughs> and that's, that's, not, that's not the goal. And, uh, but I promise you I do appreciate it. And uh, thank you for being a blessing. Last year we came and did the missions conference for the first time and you took us on for support. And again, that wasn't what I was preaching for, amen, but... But I promise you, I appreciate it, and appreciate you being a blessing to Nathan. And uh, I think he'll remember that the rest of his life. And I, I hope he'll, I hope he'll always be grateful for Friendship Baptist Church and and what y'all did to be a blessing and a help to him, so he could go on this missions trip. And uh, we'll certainly give a report uh, come next July and see what happens there. And. Uh, Brother Gordon and, and, and Brother Gordon Sr. here, they've been giving Nathan a hard time talking about the bed bug problem they're having over there. But I told them in, in, the, in line for lunch today, I said, oh, but this is the Olympics. Anything that has to do with sports, they make all the problems go away for at least a week or two when it comes to sports. Ain't that right? <laughs> so, but anyway, you be in prayer for them. Pray for that missions trip if you would. And, uh, and I know... I know all these missionaries appreciate you taking them on and for what you've done for them this week. Uh, Y'all are a blessing. This church is a blessing. This, this is like an oasis. And, uh, and we appreciate it. And let, and let me say this. You, you never know. You never know who's going to walk through the doors of this church. And it might be somebody local. It might be some, and I'm not trying to embarrass her or put her on the spot. It might be somebody like Miss Ashley back here. Who just needed to, somebody to tell her there's hope. And she got saved. But then you never know who's just vacationing here. And what they're dealing with back at home. And they just needed to get away. And it's nice to be able to come and get a house or a condo. And hang out at the beach. But what they really need is when they come here. Just on Sunday or Wednesday. Whenever it is. Just saying I need some help. And so you never know. You never know who's going to pass through the doors of this church. And I appreciate you being a blessing. John chapter number 6. Now I've already been told one of the bus kids said, how long is he going to preach? And brother Michael told him, three hours. <laughs> Here's what she said. Could he at least just do maybe an hour and 45 minutes? I thought, alright, so I got an hour and 45 minutes, y'all. There's a little trick right there, amen. You start off at three hours and then an hour and 45 don't sound too bad. Only problem with that, usually 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm already getting my Sunday afternoon nap. So uh, I'm, I'm already in nap time mode, so I probably won't be long. I just want to give you one more challenge uh, this weekend or, or this afternoon before we go to the house. And uh, you can take this 
about giving, if you want to take it that way. You can apply it to just maybe going a little further in your walk with God. But I think there's something here we can all learn from this little lad in John chapter number 6. And verse number 5 is where we'll begin our reading. John 6 verse number 5. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now let me say, Jesus already knew the answer to his question. The Lord never asks a question looking for information. He's God. He knows it all. A lot of times he's just checking us out. Verse 6. And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. I'd like to preach tonight on this thought. The Lord can do a lot with a little. The Lord can do a lot with just a little. I mean, what a, what a miracle we just read about that they had so little and ended up with so much. See, we have a great big God, but our great big God uses really little things. Now, that's encouraging to me because as I already said in the morning service, I'm pretty small. I always have been. I've always been a little runt. I mean, in school, they called me peewee. And all kind of, they, they, in elementary school, they called me the Oscar Meyer Wiener. And I mean, they just, I mean, you, you name it, they called me all kind of names. I, I've been little, but it was a good day when I figured out that our big God delights in using little things. Man, Moses there just had a small stick, but when God got in it, it became a mighty rod. David, as he went out on the battlefield against Goliath, he had a small sling, but when God got in it, it became a mighty weapon of war. And here this lad, he just had a small supper. But when he got it in the hands of Jesus, it became a large feast. And there may be somebody that came in here today and you thought, I'm little. What I have is little. I don't have much and it's just not, it's not much. What could God do with my little? Put it in his hands and see. Several things and we'll go to the house. Number one, I see that there's a situation that's overwhelming. Now, there's an overwhelming situation we've just read about. I mean, first of all, they're in a very desolate location. In the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all say that they're in a desert place here. They have no access to anything. They can't get food. There's no McDonald's right down the road. There sure ain't a Krispy Kreme donuts. By the way, we've been to Krispy Kreme several times while we've been in Myrtle Beach. Amen. And the hot sign ain't been on one time, though. That's the only problem. Amen. 
Uh, my faith must not be as great as it needs to be. I need to preach on that a little bit more. Amen. But, but the Bible says they're in a desert place. They didn't have access to Chick-fil-A. They didn't have access to the grocery store. Uh, they're just in a desert place. And you know, sometimes life will bring you in some places where you feel all alone. You feel like you're just in a desolate place and there's no hope. But I'm glad God can show up in the most desolate of places. It does not matter to Him the location. It does not matter Him whether it's a city or just a little spot in the road out in the country or back off in a little holler in the mountains. Amen. I'm telling you, there's no place that's a problem for our great big God. There's a desolate location, but there's a destitute crowd. The Bible says in verse number 2, a great multitude followed Him. Verse number 5 said that they saw a great company come unto Him. Verse number 10, the Bible said, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Now let's just pause long enough to say that it did say the men sat down. I think it's talking about the males. Sat down about 5,000 people that's estimated there uh, as far as the males go. Now we often call this the feeding of the 5,000, but let's be honest, if you consider the women and the children that were there, you're probably looking at a crowd more like between ten and 20,000 people. That's a lot of people, y'all. I mean, you folks that have bought food and served food this week, I mean, just for this group here the last few days, maybe 100 to 120 people you've served. That's a lot of people to feed. Here you've got a multitude of thousands upon thousands of people, but it ain't a problem for God. And this crowd here, they're starving. I mean, they've been here all day listening to Jesus preach and teach and now they're hungry for something besides the spiritual food they've been received because it don't matter how good the preaching is, at some point your stomach starts growling. Some of y'all were here in the earlier service. You can testify to that. I went about two minutes over, Brother Gordon. Some of them were like, come on, brother, it's, it's two past twelve. It's time to go eat. Amen. But I tell you what, there's, there's people up and down this community, up and down the roads of Myrtle Beach, that they're starving and not for food. They, they're starving for something that'll, that'll, that'll give them, that'll satisfy. Amen. They're, they're starving for peace. They're starving for joy. They're starving for help and hope. And only Jesus can meet that need. I'll tell you something else about this crowd. They were a little bit superficial. The Bible said in verse number 2, And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. They liked seeing the miracles. Matter of fact, down in verse number 26 of this same chapter, it said, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. So they're still following him, but now they're just like, We like the miracles, but we sure like the food. They're not the most spiritual bunch, but they still have a need. And there'll be people that'll, that'll come through the doors of Friendship Baptist Church they may not be very spiritual at all. They may be here looking for a handout. They may be looking for some kind of help. They may be needing their electric bill paid, whatever it may be. And I'm not telling you what the right decision is to do in all those cases. That's between you, your pastor, and those people. But I, I will say this. They need to hear about Jesus. Even that crowd that don't even realize what it is they really need, they have a need, and we know the answer. There's some doubting servants in this story. Look at verse number 5. Look at what the Bible said about Philip. 
When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. Now Philip points out 200 penny worth of bread. The number 200 in the Bible is associated with insufficiency. But Philip was insufficient in his faith. He didn't have the faith that he should have had. He doubted. And this is a man that had seen the power of Jesus. He had seen the miracles of Jesus and yet he still doesn't get it. We're guilty of that sometimes, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. But then notice what the Bible said about Andrew. Look at verse number 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But, see he should have stopped right there. But, what are they among so many? He said, we got a lad here, he's got a little bit of food, but it ain't enough. You know what Philip and Andrew are doing right here? They're having a committee meeting. (laughs) I mean, Philip's looking at the budget. Andrew's looking at the crowd and they're both saying, just send them away. We can't do it. There's no hope. You won't get much done in the work of God if that's your attitude. That's That's a lack of faith. And one preacher said, most churches have had so many committees, they've committed suicide. (laughs) That's about right. But the crowd you're looking at here, they're destitute, they're desolate, they're doubting. And that sounds like an accurate description of the world we're in today. Amen. I mean, there's a lot of desolation. There's a lot of doubting going on. But I'm glad that no situation is too overwhelming for the Savior. Number two tonight, I want you to notice a sacrificial offering. Look at the source of the gift here. Again, Andrew, in verse 8, Simon Peter's brother saith unto him, verse 9, there is a lad here. That word lad, Webster says it's just a young man or a boy. It's a young person. We got a lot of young people here this afternoon. Do you young people realize that Jesus Christ can use your life? He wants you to be saved and He wants you to love Him with all your heart and He wants to use you. You say, well, i got to wait till I'm a teenager. i got to wait till I'm an adult or i got to wait till my hair turns white or falls out. You ain't got to wait till any of that. Jesus Christ would like to use you right here at the age you are, the place you are in life. He wants to use your life. The Bible says, let no man despise thy youth. Amen. He can use you all through the Bible. You see where the Lord used young people. And He can use you. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. We see the size of the gift in verse number 9. It says, there is a lad here which had five barley loaves, And two small fishes. It's not much. Just two loaves of bread. Five loaves of bread. Two fish. It doesn't seem like much, but you know what? Here's the thing. When you consider thousands of people, it's not much. But when you consider the fact this is just one little boy, it's actually a lot of food for a little boy. Five loaves of bread, two fish. That's a lot for one boy. Can I I submit something to you? And the Bible doesn't say this, so you can take it or leave it. This is just my own way of thinking. 
Brother Boone, I personally believe that little boy had gone to town to get groceries. Maybe for the week, maybe for a month, I don't know. And I think as he's on his way back, he sees this gathering and he gets in on it. Now, if that's the case, he didn't give his lunch. He gave his life. He didn't just give up one meal. He said, I I give it all. There's no telling how long that food was supposed to last him and his mother and whoever else may have been a part of their household. But he said, I give it all for this cause. But then notice the scoffing at the gift. Verse number 9, Philip. Or Andrew, rather, he says, but what are they among so many? He said, we got a lad here. He's got a little bit of food, but it ain't enough. It ain't much. Zechariah 4.10 says, Who hath despised the day of small things? We're in a day where everything's all about, it's all about being big and dynamic and phenomenal. Jesus just says, give me what you got. Get it, get it out of your hands and into my hands, and I'll show you what I can do with it. We live, where we live, we're about 10 miles from the Mississippi River. And it's funny, everybody out east, when they come out our way, they're like, we want to go see the Mississippi River. I've, I've grown up crossing the Mississippi River. To me, it's like it's just another river. But everybody wants to see it. It, it, is, it is a very wide river. Um, where we live, I'd say it's probably a mile and a half, two miles wide there. That is pretty wide. At its widest point, it's 11 miles wide. But that's not how it starts. The Mississippi River begins in Minnesota, and at its beginning, it's just 20 feet wide. That's not much, but it's got to start somewhere. Did you hear me this afternoon? It's got to start somewhere. Some of you got this mindset, I'm not going to do anything for God or give to the work of God until I got something big. Just start small. Amen. And build on that. God, God can take it and do something with it. He can, he can do a whole lot with little things. Little people. Little offerings. He can take it and do something great with it. I think about this. I'm about small things, man. I mentioned I was, I've always been small. I got picked on when I was in school. What's, what's bad about that? I went to Christian school. <laughs> and uh, I, I got picked on. I remember earlier this year I was preaching about 30 miles outside of Little Rock, Arkansas, where I grew up. I was preaching at Gospel Light Baptist Church in Malvern, Arkansas. And after the service, Miss Phyllis Blunkall, she was standing there at my table and we were talking. Her husband, Buddy Blunkall, was a good friend of mine, passed away several years ago. And I stand there talking to Miss Phyllis and, and a guy walked up. I won't say his name, live stream or whatever, I don't know what you do, but uh, a, a guy walked up and Brother Gordon, it was a guy that I went to school with at the Christian school in Little Rock. And... Uh, he, he walked up to me and he just grabbed me and hugged me real tight. And here's what he said. He said, you know what? He said, almost 20 years ago, my life, I, he said, I was at the bottom. He said, my family busted up. I was a dope head. I was dealing drugs. And I got locked up in jail and I was going out of my mind. He said, Brother John Horton, the pastor there, came over and brought him some music. He said, one of the tapes, this is how long ago this was. Any of you young people know what cassette tapes are? <laughs> some of you are like, yeah, we've seen some of those in a museum. Um, he, he said, the preacher brought me a cassette tape. He said, one of them was you. 
He said, and there was a song on there you sang called Blind Bartimaeus. He said, and I would just play that song over and over and over again. He said, and my spirit started reviving. I started getting my joy back. And the next thing, he said, I started shouting in the jail cell. And they were opening up the cell saying, you better settle down in there. We're going to throw you in the hole. He's like, I'm just getting happy about Jesus. They said, we don't care. <laughs> just settle down. But he said, boy, I was just getting blessed. He said, I appreciate you singing. And, and he left. And Miss, Miss Blunkall, she said, well, that's a blessing. I said, oh, you don't know the half of it. I said, that guy used to be awful to me. When we, in, when we were in school, he was, he was the man. He was the, he was the jock. He was the star of the basketball team. And he was brutal to me. I'm thankful that the Lord can take somebody small and seemingly insignificant and use me to be a blessing to that guy when he needed some help. And that's what God can do. Amen. I mean, He can take small things, small people, small places, and He can do a whole lot with it. There was a sacrificial offering. But then lastly, there's a supernatural occurrence. Now when we say supernatural, we're not talking about ghostly Halloween type stuff. We're talking about something that is beyond this natural realm in light of God and what He can do. Look at verse number 10. And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. Now in the day we live in, you've got to stop and clarify, that ain't talking about the grass you smoke. Y'all understand that? <laughs> it's okay to laugh. Everybody got nervous right there. Like, oh, is it okay to laugh? Yeah, please laugh. Otherwise I'm going to feel bad. No about the kind of grass that's growing right out here in the yard. Amen. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Now, there's a miracle right there. Yes. Don't miss the miracle right there. The fact that Jesus said, have the men sit down, and they did it. Yeah. Good luck getting 5,000 men to sit down just because you told them to nowadays. That's right. Because we got such an authority problem. Yeah. You ain't going to tell me nothing. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Yeah, that's why you can't keep a job. That's right. Why you can't keep your home together. Right. Why you can't get along with the pastor. Because ain't nobody going to tell you what to do. Yeah, and you'll be a bum your whole life too. How are we doing this afternoon? Yes, Let me see, y'all already gave all the offerings and everything. So now we can just lay it all out. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> sort of. Uh, Hey, listen, get this. Don't miss this. Godly, godly men submit to the authority of Christ. And godly women and children will submit to the authority of a godly man. Because you don't see anywhere where it said, have the women and the children sit down. No, I think that was just given. Once the men sat down, their families followed suit. They just followed right in line with it. Now, I'll tell you this, an insecure man won't sit down. Oh, I've got to move on. I, I'm, I'm, killing, I'm killing the missions conference right here. Amen. An insecure man, he ain't going to sit down. But these men did. They submitted to Christ's authority. Now, the bread was blessed. Look at verse 11. And Jesus took the loaves... And when he had given thanks, while Andrew and Philip, while they're scoffing at this little bit of food and this little boy, the Lord doesn't scoff at it all. He doesn't make light of it. He doesn't scoff at what little things we bring to him. He delights in using small things and, and weak things. And you know what he'll do? He'll take it. He'll give thanks for it. And he'll bless it. And make it sufficient. 
the bread was blessed, but then the bread was broken. You won't find it here in the Gospel of John, but in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, every one of those Gospels say that he blessed and he broke the bread. The same hands that blessed the bread also broke the bread. See, God will bless you. Don't miss this. Then he'll break you. You say, why, why does he break you? So that you can be a blessing to others. Amen. That boy I went to school with that was a few years older than me, he did not know 25, 30 years ago that while he was breaking me, that God was going to use that brokenness to bless him in his time of brokenness. One old preacher said this, those that God uses greatly, he hurts deeply. Because he knows you ain't worth much till you've hurt a little bit. So he will break you. It doesn't mean he's mad at you. It certainly doesn't mean he hates you because he doesn't. He breaks you because he knows that's the way you get humble. That's the way you get filled with the power of God so you can be a blessing to others. You have, you have, but, but he blesses you first because you've got to be blessed to endure the breaking, and he knows that. I mean, if you got saved and all he did was start breaking you, you'd be like, oh, I can't handle this. But you know what he'll do? He'll bless you real good. So when those times of breaking comes, you remember he's a good God. And he does all things well. Even if I don't understand it, and even if it hurts, he does all things well. The bread was blessed, the bread was broken, but we see the bread was bountiful. Verse 12, when they were filled... I'm, I'm talking about they didn't just get a bite and say, well, that'll tide me over until we can get some good, real food. No, they got filled up. Yeah. They're stuffed. Yeah. They're probably sitting around going, man, that was some good eating there. Yeah. They were filled. He said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. That's wonderful. I mean, are you, are you getting this? Yeah. While, while Andrew and Philip are saying there's too many people, there's too little food, now they're saying gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Verse 13, Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. What a miracle. And these are people that had been observing miracles all day and now they're right in the middle of the miracle. Yes. Do you realize today when you walked into this church you're right in the middle of a miracle? Yes. I mean, you're surrounded by people that have been born again, yes. washed in the blood. Yes. We're going to heaven when we die. That's the greatest miracle of all. Yes. You're right in the middle of a miracle today and you can be a part of that miracle if you're lost here today Jesus wants to save you he wants to make you his child if you'll just trust him today and be saved I think what y'all did for my son's a miracle it wasn't a church that ran thousands that did that it was a church of about a hundred folks probably your core is even a little less than that but what a miracle that's our God and God's people are the best people don't you ever forget it don't, don't buy into that well I got somebody hurt me at the church one time okay maybe that happened but how many people have been a blessing to you amen 
I need to wrap this up, but I, I my hour and 45 minutes is about up. <laughs> I remember hearing about the little boy who got his hand stuck in a vase at the house and, and he couldn't get his hand out of the vase. It was a family heirloom and it was very valuable, worth thousands of dollars. They had had it priced. Also, a lot of sentimental value, though, and he's just he's got his hand stuck in there, and his dad's trying to get his hand out, and they're trying everything, and he can't he can't get it out. They talked about breaking it, but they're like, we can't break this valuable vase. Finally, he said, "Son, let's try one more thing." He said, "Do you have your hand balled up in a fist?" He said, "Yeah, Daddy." He said, "I want you to just straighten your hand out, straighten it out. Let's see if we can pull it out." And the little boy said, "Oh, I, I can't do that." He said, why, why can't you do that? He said, because I'm, I'm hanging on to three cents. I've got three pennies. And if I open up my hand, I'll lose the pennies. That little boy was worried about them few pennies. Yeah. And he didn't realize that vase was worth thousands of dollars. Yeah. But if we're not careful, we do the same thing with God. He's saying, hey, won't you let go of that? Oh God, I, I could never let go of this money. I could never let go of this friendship or relationship. I could never let go of that. You don't even realize he's wanting to give you something a whole lot better, something a whole lot more valuable, something a whole lot more lasting. But too too often we've just we're sitting there hanging on to that thing that don't even amount to much in the grand scheme of things. Maybe this afternoon you're up against a situation that seems impossible in your hands. But that's because it's in the wrong hands. You've got to give that situation over to God. Maybe your talents, your abilities seem insufficient in your hands. But that's because they're in the wrong hands. You've got to get them into God's hands. And maybe you're here this afternoon and you feel like, well, I could never do much for missions. Just let go. And it might not seem like much. But just put it in his hands and see what he can do with it. Because the Lord, he can do a whole lot with a little. But you got to get it out of your hands and into his hands. Let's all stand this afternoon.